Hey everyone, welcome to Punkcast. My name is William Maxwell. I'm a student of Web3 and the owner of Punk9527. CryptoPunks are 10,000 uniquely generated characters stored permanently on the Ethereum blockchain. No punk is the same. This is a show dedicated to celebrating the punks behind the punk. My hope for this podcast is that we capture the essence of the punk culture, elevate the brand and the individual behind the punk. One last thing, projects discussed on the show is not financial advice. Crypto and NFTs are a volatile and risky asset class. Please always do your own research. Other than that, let's go. Hi everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Punkcast. Today we've got Punk2971. He's a three Addy with peak spike hair, mole and classic shades. He's a prominent NFT figure in the space with a sharp eye for NFT art. Director of community at the Upside Down, podcaster at Node Mode, and co-host and morning show with the team at Missy Portal. Please welcome the one and only Depeche Node or Node. Node, hey, how are you? What's up? Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I had forgotten that uh, I had, uh, you know, it's like, oh, the three trait. I hadn't even thought about like what traits I had anymore. I just remember Peak Spike was one that uh, it's like one of the more common ones. And then the mole is the most common of all the punks, you know, <laughs> I think <laughs> very, very common. Uh, but yeah, it's great to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Awesome to have you, man. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan, dude. I've been um, watching your show with uh, the guys at Nifty Portal and uh, you guys are funny as fuck, dude. I've got to say. <laughs> yeah they, you have a good time how, how did you get how did you guys connect is it just um just online because i don't think they're based in we're in utah as well right you're based in utah yeah no they're in new york so yeah definitely not based here um yeah it was a good story i just i i the the morning show is way too early for me uh because it's like 7 a.m mountain time uh where i live so i i almost never listen to it even though i like heard about it more and more as time went on and then finally near the beginning of this year i started being like okay i'm gonna listen to this thing and uh one day i listened uh like i just tuned in and i was like still laying in bed and and po had, like invited me to speak on the stage so i was like okay cool like let's let's go ahead and do it um and then just had a great convo and he was like hey you should come back tomorrow i was like okay cool let's do it so came back the next day um, had a good time, kept chatting. And then he was like, yeah, come back again. And then he was like, Hey, you should just stick around and keep, keep chatting with us. We like having you on the show. Um, and then it kind of evolved. I think what was nice was they, they were into things that I just, I was not nearly as into like the active daily trading scene as they, as they are. And there weren't, they weren't nearly as much into the art side of things or just like a long-term perspective as I was. So I, you know, I kind of took it for granted. I thought everybody was very familiar with generative art and art blocks and all that stuff. And um, even though I don't own a ton of art, like I really like it. And uh, so I think it's been nice because we, I, I get a lot of DMs of people saying, you know, I really appreciate your takes because they're a little bit different, right? Than than just talking about the latest PFP. I usually want to talk about art or trying to think about things longer than, uh, you know. 24 hours ahead or a week ahead. I'm trying to think years ahead if I can. So yeah, it's been a good time and they're, they're hilarious. And that's why they're the number one, you know, Twitter spaces is because people enjoy like listening to their spaces, right? They're just fantastic hosts and super funny guys that are very, very authentic, right. And genuine. And I think people really appreciate that. Uh, no, they, they, they're one of the, uh, favorite podcasts and, uh, shows that I definitely tune into. I mean, Nick is, 
Nick's probably the most sarcastic person that I've ever seen, but he's so hilarious, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a very true statement, man. You're right. I, I, I got I got to get him on the show one day, but um, but but hey, man, like, why don't uh, why don't you just give us a um, a brief introduction, I guess, to your background and and how you found yourself in uh, in NFTs and. Yeah. So, I mean, the last decade uh, before I was in NFTs, I was, uh, I, I did basically everything you could in Amazon's ecosystem without actually working for Amazon. I uh, built and sold a few small private label businesses on Amazon. I built a couple uh, agencies where I helped brands market and manage their products on Amazon uh, and, and did that. I helped people uh, buy and sell Amazon businesses uh, you know, was kind of involved there. And so uh, I've been doing that forever and was like just very sick of it. You know, Uh, it's been a decent lifestyle uh, in terms of, you know, lately I basically just had a few clients um, in 2020 and it was like, hey, I had like five really good clients and it was a nice lifestyle and it was good, but I was so sick of dealing with Amazon. And Amazon is like, the the platform itself is quite incredible what they've accomplished obviously but working with the entity it's like you know hitting your head against a brick wall over and over because they've tried to build the entire business like a system literally a system and like even the employees will refer to it as the system like hey sorry we can't do anything it's the system you know and so uh it just got very tiresome having to live in somebody else's world and then in 2020 um I came across, you know, I had obviously, I bought some Bitcoin and, and Ether back in 2017, not knowing anything, right? Just some stupid kid that just was like, yeah, I'm going to buy this. It's going to go to the moon. I have no idea, like the ethos behind any of this and wrote it all the way down and just left it there. And then in 2020, I listened to this podcast. Um, it was with Tim Ferriss and Naval Ravikant. And it was just amazing the way that Naval phrased things and framed everything And like, it just really sold me on the vision. And I had two really good friends that I admired and looked up to. And I, I, I learned that like both of them were basically retired because of crypto. And so I was like, Hey, something is, uh, this is like, is this something worth looking into? Right. So, uh, I, I obviously started looking into it and the answer was like a resounding yes. Got way, I started off in like the Bitcoin maxi rabbit hole. And then finally broke free of that and uh, got into Ethereum and just fell in love with ETH and DeFi. And then in January of this year, uh, no, I'm sorry, of last year, man, my time, sense of time is totally jacked. Uh, January of 2021, uh, I just like started learning about NFTs and it was like blowing my mind and I just could not get enough of it. And so I just like slowly have transitioned mostly into NFT land over the last you know year or so and just can't get enough of it. I just love it. So uh, yeah, that's basically uh, where I was. And now, you know, I found myself swept up in the, in the PFP craze and all that. And now I find myself, uh, you know, diving back more into just art because I like it. So I think you said you bought some Bitcoin early days, like 16, 17, just, just to speculate. But then when did you really kick off this second run? Was it just when COVID hit in 2020? Yeah. Yeah. I would say halfway through 2020, like in July is when I started making, it was like May or June or July. I started making like my first purchases of ETH 
and it was like 240 bucks. <laughs> and nice. I, I just wish I had like, I'd gone all in, of course, but I just kept putting in like more and more and more money, uh, over the course of that time. So it was like, you know, halfway through 2020, I would say that I really started to like, uh, learn about it and put more in. And then in March of 2021 is when I bought my first NFTs and like, just couldn't stop. Nice. And just, uh, just out of curiosity, when you were first getting into in, uh, into crypto, were you just sort of sticking to BTC and ETH or were you sort of spraying and praying? Yeah, I started off with Bitcoin and ETH and then it's turned into like altcoin season. You know, I was like up to like 15 different coins and jumping in and out of all. I was like, okay, I need to have something of each of these L1s, you know, I better have a little bit of exposure there. And then I'm like, oh, but I really love these DeFi protocols like Alchemix, I thought was really cool. I still think it's very cool. It's self-repaying loans. Yeah, um, cool. But yeah, it didn't, you know, you, you can think of protocols cool, but you also need to figure out like the tokenomics and how the pricing works, right? And yeah. and what the price should be with, with market cap. So I did that and, you know, it just so many of, every, of everything. My, my whole story of this last cycle was, you know, a, a round trip, you know, a big old round trip. Uh, made tons of money and gave it all back because I just bag held everything. Uh, <laughs> luckily, I did kind of rotate back in mostly like now my whole portfolio is ETH and NFTs. Like that's it. Nice. So I've like gotten back to like much more simple, um, you know, uh, portfolio allocation into like I, I just realized like you got to stick with what you're interested in, because if you don't like you stop paying attention to what's happening in that particular market. Uh, and so like, for me, I'm only interested in ETH and NFTs right now. Uh, and so like, I'm only going to invest there. So maybe some Solana if I like keep going down that rabbit hole. Um, but yeah, I like keeping it simple, man. Cool. So maybe we can just dig into that a little bit deeper. Um, and then to get on to, I guess your first NFT, but, um, you know, for you, what, what is it about ETH that, um, that, uh, that you, you're sort of having a more of a heavier weighting on ETH and I guess other other sort of coins. Yeah. I mean, I, everybody knows I'm like a, a disciple of DC investor. So like the way that I, I initially did get onboarded pretty heavily through bankless, which is like, you know, they're going to turn you into an ETH maxi if anyone will. <laughs> uh, so I'll admit that for sure. I'm not a maxi at all. Like I'm happy to buy other stuff and I appreciate other things that are happening. I just quite simply need more, um, and I have, right? I've, I've owned all sorts of other coins, like basically every L1 I had money in at one point. Um, but what I like about ETH, uh, number one, I mean, that's just where most of the NFT activity is. Uh, and it's where the, the OG stuff is, right? Um, like punks, for example. And so like the entire culture has kind of been built on the bedrock of Ethereum's network. Um, I like that it's kind of, uh, it's, de it's decentralized enough you know, to where it feels like it's, uh, you know, more censorship resistant, even though I'm hearing, you know, all with all the validators these days, it's like not exactly. Um, but it, it feels like it is it is the most like credibly neutral chain, in my opinion, where there's meaningful activity uh, that everything's being built on. Right. That's interesting to me. So, uh, you know, that's, that's probably why, and you know, the more I learn about it, the more I admire like all the work that's been put in and the, the ongoing work. And, you know, you think about EIP 1559 and the merge and yeah, they were definitely delayed, but they went 
incredibly smoothly, right? So mm-hmm. people try and FUD it, tried to FUD like, hey, you know, what's going to happen as these as these events occur? And like, it's been very, very smooth, um, even though it takes some time. So I just appreciate the, the ethos of it. And I like uh, that it is, you know, relatively as neutral and, and credible and decentralized as you can kind of get in at the smart contract level. Um, and, and yet there's meaningful activity. So like for me, Bitcoin's just dead boring. I'm like, okay, in my regular portfolio, would I want to own gold? No. Do I want it? So why should I own digital gold? Like, okay, it's fine. Like it's a fine asset. I'm not going to, you know, bash it too much. Uh, and I, I owned, I owned Bitcoin was like the majority of my portfolio when I started. Um, but I'm just like interested in higher beta plays and more risk is fine by me. And something that's more exciting to me where there's a lot of development uh, is Ethereum. So yeah. And, and, and you kind of take it one step further and you say, okay, well, why not just go to like Solana or, or AVAX or something like that? And that's fine. Um, just like the culture of Solana isn't, isn't exactly my style yet. I do appreciate it, and I own uh, quite a few NFTs on Solana as well. Um, but I don't view it as like this credibly neutral base layer that things can be built upon. I think of it as like VCs and uh, SBF, you know? So, yeah. yeah. No, cool. No, well said. I, uh, I think uh, I'm, a, I'm a big Bankless fan too. Um, so uh, you're, you're right. Yeah, you've sort of become like a bit more of an ETHBAX when you start listening to those podcasts. Um, yes. Also a big fan of DC Investor too, but um, cool. And then what, so what was your first NFT? Uh, then, yeah, I I honestly don't know exactly. It was either an uh, Euler Beats. It was a music NFT. If you remember that, it's it sounds it looks like it should be pronounced Euler Beats, but according to Wikipedia, it's like Euler the mathematician, and that's like how you say it. So Euler Beats had this like crazy system where there were these you know you could buy like an original. Uh, I think they were called like a Genesis LP. And it, like you owned the entire thing, and then there were prints. And if you owned a print, like the next person that bought a print, um, would the price would keep going up on this like bonding curve. And then if you sold it, it would just kind of step down on the bonding curve, depending on how many people owned it. Um, and it was like this crazy game, <laughs> and I I got sucked up sucked into it, and uh, yeah, lost my shirt on those. But my first, <laughs> I, I want to say like the first NFT that I actually bought was a um, Singularity by Hideki, um, yeah. I think it's Tsukamoto. And and man, that was, uh, I just thought it was really cool. And I ended up paper handing that later. But yeah, my first, my the first one that I really cared about was the the Singularity, the art blocks piece. Oh, beautiful. Man, so you, you actually came in through art um, as opposed to PFPs. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, what was funny is I kind of thought everybody, I came in through DC investor, really. It was like bankless. I may have discovered DC through bankless and then DC and some of the ETH OGs started talking about CryptoPunks in like January, February. And that's when, uh, you know, DC investors profile picture used to be a picture of him in a suit and he switched it to a punk. And I was like, oh, this is very interesting. And, uh, and then, yeah, it was like straight into art blocks and generative art. That's like how my, my entry came. And, yeah, I totally, and that's why I missed Board Apes, right? I just, I just thought it's art and punks, you know. Um, yeah, and I totally missed all the Top Shot stuff. So nice, and and so so when, back going back to that point in time, like, what was it about NFTs that um, interested you to experiment further, and 
um, I mean, was there any friction for you to get your head around what NFTs were back at that point in time? Yeah, I mean, I think it was, yes. I remember thinking in the beginning, like, okay, I'm only allowed to, like, talking to my wife. Like, we can only buy, like, one or two of these things, okay? It's just crazy. And we'll just buy one or two, and that's it. And after I bought the Singularity, it, like, was like this slippery slope. I was like, I actually felt, and this is what I always tell people, I'm like, look, buy one and then see how you feel about it. And I was like, this is crazy. I truly do feel like I own this. You know, like a lot of people, that's the hardest part. So I, they, they can't wrap their mind around the fact that like they actually own this. And uh, as soon as I bought one and like had it there, my, you know, looking at it on OpenSea or just wherever, I was like, yeah, I really feel like I own this and I love it. And I love the fact that I like, I'm a minimalist generally. Like I don't have tons of uh, just clutter around my house and uh, I don't, I don't need a ton of physical objects. Like my closet is uh, seven uh, t-shirts just like this. And then three pairs of jeans that are black. Uh, and it's all very simple and straightforward. And I like this idea that I can like own more NFTs and it takes up no more space. Right. And like this concept of digital ownership, as soon as it, as soon as I bought one, it just fully clicked. I just loved it. And I, then I got carried away thinking, you know, that it would be more than it was in some aspects, uh, particularly on PFPs. Uh, but yeah, it, I think it was just literally taking that first step and buying one and being like, hey, this makes perfect sense that uh, an artist that is creating things digitally uh, should be able to sell their work and have it like verifiably proven of, you know, where it came from and who owns it. And it, it should all like it just made too much sense to me. Did you mint back then or did you buy off secondary? Uh, I bought off secondary. I don't know. I, I I don't know if I ever honestly successfully minted in art blocks because of the insane gas wars that started happening. Yeah, uh, and so I think almost all of them I bought off secondary because it was just, I was no good at the, at the gas wars back then. Yeah, it was, um, it was pretty crazy times for art blocks when that first kicked off. Right. I mean, there was no chance, uh, Chance you can sort of no. And um, what was the vibe like back at the time? Were you just mostly hanging on Twitter? Were you in the Artblocks Discord, hanging with a, a, a posse that were art aficionados? Like, what was your sort of journey there? Yeah, I that was a big mistake I made early on. I wish I had really kind of found a group and stuck with it early on. I kind of created my own um, of people that kind of lived uh, here in Utah, which was great. Um, but, I, but, but honestly for several months, I was like, I was like this lone wolf out here, you know, like I had my buddy that was way into Ethereum. Like he bought, he bought a couple NFTs with me. I tried to get all my friends that were really, you know, that were well off. I tried to get them to buy punks. I like called several of them and I think I'm responsible for like one or two of them. They bought a few, you know, so I had like a small crew, uh, but I wish that I had, I've never been good at like staying very engaged in a discord. Uh, mm-hmm. I just haven't in, a, in any server. Uh, and I wish I had, cause that would have been awesome. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I mostly just was on Twitter and, and just following people like DC and Beanie, uh, you know, back in the day, as controversial as he is, he was <laughs> definitely influential and a big part of my journey. Um, in fact, he ran this contest early on when, uh, back in the day and I won a Brian Brinkman Nimbud 
which is an art blocks piece. Uh, he gave me one, you know, <laughs> as nice. I won it from him. So it's like everybody says, you know, he, of course, he's definitely not perfect, but like not everyone's all bad, right? Or all good there. He was definitely a little bit of both, I'm sure. So. No, absolutely. I um I really uh, enjoyed Beanie uh Beanie's tweets. It was, it was good entertainment back back then. Um, it, despite the fact that everybody gives him a lot of shit, and he also is a punk as well, right? So um, yeah, I mean, he really was like an integral part of the culture back then. Like absolutely. very very underappreciated now, and and yeah, he is missed, dude. He's he was entertaining and he was smart, and it's like he made wrong calls all the time, but he was like. I would say for sure made a lot more good calls and had a lot of very interesting content. So yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and I, the one thing I did mint, I minted a punk's comic, which ended up being a fantastic play. Uh, if you minted one from it originally, uh, and, and sold at the right time. And even if you sold probably now, you'd probably still be okay. Um, because of all the assets that you ended up with from that 1.2 mint. So yeah that was a that was a crazy project man like it was to, to be honest with you, i got in but i flipped out it just got too confusing right i think same it was like punk's comic and then you got these other things like dow and all that other all those other elements but um but yeah it, it sort of rocketed quite a fair bit yeah um, it did so 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 man so, so then to tell us about your journey to crypto punks like you know so you got into sort of art um, you got some of your buddies into CryptoPunks, but, uh, so what, how did you find out about the collection and, um, and I guess what was your journey to buying your, your first CryptoPunk? Yeah. I mean, it was probably the, like I say, the, the, the Etho G's that I like highly respected. Um, there's a guy, Eric, I honestly can't even remember his last name, Eric. <laughs> He's like an ETH. I think he was the guy that like came up with EIP 1559 like he was talking about CryptoPunks. DC was talking about CryptoPunks. So these people that I admired a lot, maybe even the most, um, were buying them up. Uh, and then, and then I, I mean, that was really one of the first collections that I learned about. It may have been the first collection that I learned about, which makes sense. And uh, it was only a matter of time. Like a, a CryptoPunk was like one of my first purchases, honestly. And uh, it was 24 ETH at the time. Uh, and I... I just figured like all value accrues to the top is one of my, you know, guiding principles. And if anything is going to kind of maintain its relevance, I thought it would be CryptoPunks back then just for the historical value. And it was like the first thing people were using is their profile picture. And I remember one thing that like, it may have been Anthony Sasano, who's like, you know, total ETH head. He may, he was like joking about Bitcoin, you know, and he was like, you could have uh, you have you could have one out of twenty one million Bitcoin, or you could have one out of ten thousand punks, something to that effect, right? He's like, he's like, look at the disparity in the supply, right? And uh, I was like, in a weird way, like this makes it's like makes perfect sense from a scarcity perspective. I was like, it's so simple and dumb, but like, yeah, ten thousand is a much smaller number than twenty one million. Let's go! And like, uh, as dumb as it sounded, I was like, but yeah. Like I actually do. It was kind of a crazy thing to think that punks would flip Bitcoin. Like one punk would flip one Bitcoin back in the day. Like, like oh, will it do that? And I know the the Bitcoin maxis were like just thought that idea was preposterous, you know, and ridiculous, and that it would never last. And uh, I was like, you know what? Like this just seems like a very relevant piece of the culture. 
I really love them. I just fell in love with them. And I was like, I got to find one that looks kind of like me. And I just, it's got to be near the floor because I can't buy anything higher and uh, kind of go all in. So it, it definitely was not my best like purchase from a return standpoint. Like it was a lot of ETH. Uh, spending 24 ETH on anything is just a lot. And it was a lot of my, a lot of my ETH, but I just, I really wanted to have this one project that felt like it represented, you know, crypto and ETH and was like the beginning of a movement and felt like it was going to be historical. Um, and so far it's turned out that way. The one thing that I misjudged, I would say was the number of subsequent PFP collections that would drop, uh, sort of, you know, it doesn't dilute punk supply, but it definitely opens up the market towards a whole lot more. And I definitely did not see that coming. I'll tell you that. Absolutely. Um, that was, yeah, it was a, a crazy sort of time. And similar to you, I think uh, my first punk was probably purchased because everybody that had any credibility on Twitter back in those days was a punk, right? And, yeah, uh, yeah you're getting a lot of learning and insight and it's like, Oh, okay, cool. Well, maybe, um, maybe I could, uh, maybe I could be in that sort of level, but, um, but yeah, you're right back at that time when you, so you bought in, was it March, April? Yeah. March. 21? I think it was March. Yeah. Yeah. So, so ETH would have been relatively high then too, right? Maybe about two or three K. So 24 ETH would have been a, a decent whack. I think it was um, just under, I think it was actually closer to uh, 15 to 1800 or something, if I remember oh, right. Okay. okay. Yeah. But yeah. I, I can't remember exactly, but I do remember thinking in my mind, it, it cost me 40K USD to buy this thing. So that was, a, it, that, was, that was a lot before everything kicked off. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, dude, I, yeah. yeah, it was insane. It was like a huge chunk of what I had. I don't know. You know, I feel kind of crazy for doing it, but I also feel good because it's, you know, the one asset that I knew I'd be like stoked to hold. And I've tried to like, there's been a couple times where I kind of panicked and was like, I need to sell this because it's just a huge chunk of my net worth. And then I just couldn't do it. And I just delisted it like an hour later. So it's kind of funny. I just, yeah, I too much of an emotional connection. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, um, I actually paper headed mine. So I'll get, I got my first punk around the same time, but, um, I mean, you know, I, I was writing on equity, not profits. And so I was a bit, um, scared about leaving that much money in. So I, I paper handed mine, but credit to you. I mean, you diamond headed right, right from the get go. Um, to make, maybe talk us through, I guess at that time, you know, uh, how you were thinking about traits and I guess why you ended up settling on, uh, two nine seven one. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't really anything to do with, uh, like rarity or anything. It was just, I, I knew I could only afford a floor punk. And I wanted one that kind of looked like me. It's like, okay, I got a mole on my cheek here. Uh, and I, I put my hair up a little bit and, you know, like I just thought he looked cool and had the cool glasses, um, and was like, yeah, like this one's, this one's my vibe. And it just kind of was like the punk. I always tell people like, yeah, the punk chose me, you know, like I felt like he was, he, <laughs> that one was waiting for me to purchase. I think, I don't know. No, he's cool. He's cool. Um, awesome, man. And then, and so what, and so what, so what's the story that you're telling your friends about CryptoPunks as well? Is, are you telling them the same narrative around historical provenance and all those other bits and pieces, or did you have a different sort of story to onboard them? No, it was the same thing. And honestly, they had, uh, they, they, I, I, I tried to convince all of them to buy before I did. 
because I just couldn't bring myself to spending that much money on something. But I was like, but you guys have the money. So you have to get one because these things are going to be like iconic pieces of history. Well, you know, once ETH, uh, you know, once like the Ethereum network takes over the world, like this is going to be the collection to buy. Like you got to have one. And uh, yeah, that was basically it. That was my pitch. And, and, and a couple of people totally did. And like one, one definitely bought, uh, he bought several actually. Conviction Punk. Nice. Yeah. And then I'm just having a look at your OpenSea wallet now. You've got a really interesting bag, but um, a question for you. I mean, like, I think you like collecting art, but, um, but what is it about art that you, you like collecting? And I think you know, what are the kinds of things that you look for in, in art pieces when you're, when you're, when you're sort of buying? Yeah. I mean, I, and I've been getting, like I say, I started off in art mostly because that was like the best quality stuff back then. Right. Like the PFP collections and a lot of the collections in 2021, there was just no like real effort behind most of them. Uh, but a lot of the art was like very high quality, um, and, and you know, meaningful from the beginning, the generative stuff. And for me, I keep going back to this, uh, like there is no clearer use case for NFTs that's been proven that is so straightforward of a problem being solved than somebody being able to uh, digitally uh, own a piece of art. Uh, that digital ownership piece is so cut and dry and clear when it comes to art. Like, hey, this artist created a work and not only did they create, you know, some of this art is just, yeah, they create it and they upload it and, you know, put it on wherever IPFS, uh, and, and it's, and it's there. And then you've got the NFT that is associated with it, that proves that you own it. Like that was not possible previously in such a, like, you know, straightforward way that did not require some centralized authority, right. To say who owned what, and really no artist made money digitally before, so this was like such a clear use case to me. And then when you introduce generative art, like, and particularly on-chain generative art, you're like, this is so cool because the, like the actual blockchain is part of the art. Like it's like where the art and the, the artist and the collector are participating together to create. Um, and it's only possible uh, because of the blockchain, which is so cool and it's random and it's unique and it's interesting. And so, uh, I always kind of appreciated art before, but I didn't really care a ton about it up until like NFTs for some reason. I don't know why. I think just like, because I, I'm able to collect it and there's, I was like into the scene and it was easier to collect and it was digitally native. I just loved all those things about it. Um, and now, like, yeah, I was swept up in, in the, the PFP craze back in the day, you know, uh, back in the day, like six months ago, nine months ago, right? Uh, a like a year ago, like started getting into the PFP stuff. And uh, like what we found is like as the bear market hits, a lot of these uh, collections are struggling to maintain interest and attention and find ways to innovate. Uh, it's one thing for a brand to like, be really cool or to uh like do interesting things and then it's another for their uh you know holders to be happy and for the floor price to appreciate so it's uh it it just turns into more of this like game that i don't know how sustainable it is to be honest whereas art is like look if i buy something that speaks to my soul that i really like 
uh, I can't really lose, you know? Um, and you know, even if I buy something for speculative purposes, uh, all the art I own, I enjoy looking at, you know? So I, I'm not going to buy something that I hate. Amazing. And I see you've got uh, a ringer, uh, pretty early. Um, so that's about four ETH, and then you've got some really nice art box here. So, uh, actually, uh, I wanted to ask you about because I see you posting quite a fair bit about um, uh, Emily C's work, Memories of Chilin. Um, what do you like about those those pieces and and that collection in particular? Oh man, yeah. <laughs> I we make a joke because on Node Mode, I try not to bring it up, you know, but it comes <laughs> up in almost every episode, and I feel you know, kind of bad about it, uh, but not really because I, I don't know what it is. So like we, we were talking before the show, it's like, I have a little bit of Asian heritage. So maybe that's why I appreciate this, like homage to Asian art and the style. Um, but I just, I don't know. I just think it's absolutely breathtakingly beautiful. Uh, that's it. Like there's nothing more beyond that. Uh, and, and there are pieces there that I really would love to own and would love to own like a physical representation of them. I just think they're absolutely beautiful. A lot of art blocks and a lot of digital stuff, you know, it's very blocky, right? It's, it's, there's mm -hmm. some kind of block shape, even Fidenzas that are flowy, like they're kind of like rectangles that are flowy, you know, mm -hmm. and memories of Chilin are just feel much more organic and like the patterns are so cool and it's all flowy and I don't know, like, so I really like that. I like anti-cyclones, which kind of have a similar kind of flow to them. And I really like Meridians. I don't own either of those two collections, unfortunately. I look at them most days, hoping to like get an early, a lower price. But uh, like, I like these collections uh, that, that maybe don't feel like they're just like so uh, computer generated maybe is, is the is the way to put it, even though you know, everything's cool. Lots of people have their opinions, but I, it just, for whatever reason, I like the work that looks organic maybe. Yeah. Uh, they are absolutely beautiful pieces and not, I mean, I've got a couple in the bag too. So what? Oh, nice. Cool. Yeah. No, good I, on I, you. I, I, I love them. Um, I, I was lucky enough to mint actually. And then, um, Oh gosh, nice work. And, uh, yeah. And I think DC investor, I think, maybe like a couple of weeks after he started like sweeping floors. And so, um, yeah, but, uh, but that, yeah, I think that's probably one of my co favorite collections in the art box, art box sort of, uh, curated to be honest. Um, cool. Yeah. I regret and, not buying more when I could have it like 1.6 or something. I, I didn't really discover it until yeah. DC tweeted about it actually. And I was like, okay, these are awesome. Down. I got to pick one up. Nice. And then, Looking back in your NFT career to date, um, what's been your best win or loss that uh, that sort of comes to mind? Ooh, uh, so many losses. Don't even like want to start there. I, 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 well, one of my losses I would say that's pretty good is my Tom Sachs rocket. I, you know, I bought that thing, put all the pieces together for like 13 ETH or something. Uh, and I don't know if I could get three ETH for it right now. I have no idea. Uh, Another, another, uh, my biggest loss actually, uh, is a missing out on a hoodie punk. So during, it was like July 31st last year, which was like a day that will live in infamy, right? Like that's right, right when punk started to go insane and go on the map. And, uh, it was like three AC started sweeping right then. Um, I don't know if it was the day after, but anyway, I was in the punks discord that day 
and like things were heating up and it was like palpable. Like you could feel this like bizarre energy and you didn't know exactly what was happening, but like sales were happening and there was like this fever pitch that was like starting to get going. And I was like, I don't know why I like pinged the discord. I was like, I think I'm going to buy a hoodie. Um, and, and someone was like, uh, Oh, go you ahead. Actually, you actually, you actually said that in the discord, you're going to buy yes. a hoodie. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, look, there's like a lot of like friendliness in there, right? Everyone's like helping each other out and whatnot. And then someone else was like, yeah, do it. And then, uh, Justin Aversano was like, Hey, I can get you a deal on a punk. And I was like, okay. You know, like, he's like, you can get the same punk, you can get a better looking one. And I'll, I can get it to you for this same price as the floor. And I forget what the prices were. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. Like, actually I do like that punk better. And I would like to buy it at the floor for hoodies, not, for, not the floor for all punks, but the hoodie floor. And then like, I ping him like uh, a few minutes later. I'm like, Hey, so like, yeah, I want to buy this like right now. Like things are happening right now in real time. And he's like, okay, yeah, let me talk to my buddy. He's like, oh, sorry, my buddy's not awake yet. I was like, okay. But he's like, he'll be awake in like an hour. So I like wait till he wakes up. And his friend pings me like three hours later and is like, hey, sorry, man. Like with what's happening in the market, I cannot sell you this punk. And I'm like, oh. And I go back and I look at punks. And the floor for hoodie punks has gone up by like 25 ETH in this period of time. And he was like, sorry, I cannot make this deal, dude. Um, and I was like, that's fair. And I'm still really pissed off because I <laughs> was going to just buy the other hoodie and I didn't. Um, so what I did though, and, and to his credit, he did give me a deal on a twin flames. Um, and I bought it for 19 ETH, I think that Friday. And then I sold it for 35 ETH like on Sunday. So that was a nice flip. And then I also got so mad that I bought like a pink haired punk right after that just like revenge bought it and then uh flipped it for like 20 eth more a day later or two days later because that weekend is when everything went insane so i i that was like my best trades off the heels of a of a terrible loss awesome that's a story yeah and when and when you think about your favorite punk personality um who comes to mind oh that's easy it's dc you know what i mean he's uh, everything cannot cannot get past uh DC investor, dude. I just respect every, the way that just everything about him. I really respect the way that he carries himself, the way that he thinks long-term he's influenced me like in every way, you know, when it comes to NFTs. So it's definitely gotta be him. Absolutely. He's definitely uh, one of the leaders, uh, not just for punks, but I think for the whole uh, NFT and crypto space, right? Yeah, absolutely. And how would you describe punk culture in a few words for you? Yeah, that's tough. I, so admittedly, like, I'm not very good at like staying in touch, you know, like in the punks culture, like I, they have like a, we've got like a telegram, right. And like, I, I just never, I'm on telegram. So I feel a little bit out of the loop if I'm being honest. Uh, but I, but from what I can gather, like one thing that I do love about the punk culture is that it's, it's definitely not, you know, it's much more about like, there's like an ethos there that people care you like most punk holders really care about crypto, right? And we care about like its mission and its and its potential and its possibilities. Um, and we love that that like we I feel and I hope that like that's what crypto punks represent. 
you know, is just like the idea of sovereign digital ownership, like all these things, like the permissionlessness of being able to be free to transact and free to build and create like those things I feel like are, are what the industry, you know, we try to kind of espouse. Um, and so, yeah, when it comes to the punk culture, that's why I like owning one. Cause it makes me feel like, Hey, I'm actually part of the, the overall movement and not just part of like one specific, uh, PFP collection. Awesome. And, uh, I sort of have to tend to agree with you, right? I think that punk vibe and punk culture is sort of in some ways aligned to, I guess, the underlying Ethereum maxims, right? Of self-sovereignty, decentralization, uh, and all those other bits and pieces. Um, and maybe perhaps because I think just, just drifting on a little bit now is that if you think about a lot of the punks that came in, they came in along that journey, right? Early Bitcoin buyers, early sort of ETH, you know, minted for free, started hanging out and vibing without any profit or intention in mind and basically just sort of stuck, stuck around. Um, whereas I think a lot of the newer collections didn't have that sort of journey of the community, right? They just sort of came in sort of brand new uh, Moonbirds and, you know, Bored Apes um, and, and great collections as well. So not to, not to sort of take anything away from them, but I think it's just interesting in terms of the dynamic, in terms of the history and the journey of a lot of the underlying community members there. Right. And so, um, yeah. And it's, it, to me, it also feels like nothing at all is forced in the punks community, right? It's all just like completely, Hey, get one. Cause you believe in the cause or you just want to own one. And like, you know, there's meetups that happen organically every once in a while. And, uh, you know, it, it, it luckily does not need like this rabid, like people just constantly shilling, you know what I mean? Like to, to make this work, it's just like, Hey, we all want to own pieces of what I consider to be, you know, digital art, uh, and history. And so, uh, I like that about it is like punks to me are very much, uh, at least from my point of view, it's like, just laid back. It's like, yeah, like we're here and we, we want to do cool stuff. Right. And that's basically it. And we're not trying to force a narrative on anyone. Uh, but we do, you know, we love and respect, uh, these, like what I consider an artifact, right. Of, uh, uh, and, and like a very, very pivotal thing of, Hey, this is, you can actually, uh, have a digital identity, and you can, it can be wrapped in this, in this simple profile picture. And I love the simplicity of them. They're just, you know, when I look at them and then when people blow them up and put them on a wall, I'm like, it looks so freaking good to me. As simple as those pixels are, like the simplicity is, I think, what, what I love. Absolutely. I need to uh, get mine blown up and put on a wall somewhere too. Hey, so, mate, how, how do you feel about, the Yuga acquisition over CryptoPunks at that time last year? Yeah, so I, I mean, initially I was not overly thrilled. Um, but at the same time, the more that I learned about Larva Labs, like, you know, they were starting to put together partnerships and do things uh, on the IP side that were turning it into more of a, a PFP project, you know, rather than it just being like, leave it be as history and as art. Um and like they weren't communicating very well overall with, you know, I think they, they, they were the first, right? So Larva Labs was like, it's like, they were like the first PFP collection really that meant, that meant anything. And so they, I don't think they ever anticipated this thing to turn into like what it became. 
And so uh, I, the more that I thought about it, I was like, okay, I'm comfortable with this, especially with the acquis- with bringing on Noah and treating it. As soon as he said he was going to treat it like a like a dead artist's estate, that really like put my mind at ease, and it made me feel much better. I mean, ideally, I would have rather like Larva Labs just be like, hey, we're just going to stop. Like nothing else is going to be built on this. And we're just going to like say, hey, this is our art and that's it. Like, I, And that would have been awesome. I would have preferred that, I think. Uh, but, the, you know, they why, launched MeBits and... Yeah, just out what's of that? Why, why, just out of, just out of curiosity, why, um, why would you have preferred that? And I guess... You know, because uh, I, I think a lot of punks sort of shared that same sentiment, right? Um, when that announcement came out, in terms of feeling a little bit deflated and demoralized that you got you got acquired punks. Yeah, I mean, I think it would have been uh, like just the idea of it being it, if they had repositioned themselves just as like, hey, we're artists, like right, like we're smart contract artists or we're blockchain art, like we're generative artists, and that's what we're gonna do. Um, I think I would have preferred that because it would have just been like, hey, there's the art and there's the artist and there you go. Um, but like, you, you know, everyone's worried like, hey, Yuga's like the big corporation now in Web3. So, you know, you never want to be part of that big, big, huge organization. It's like a little bit of, uh, feels a little bit off when we're thinking about our own um, like, you know, principles and whatever. It just feels a little bit like, oh, all of a sudden the most precious collection is now in the hands of uh, you know, the biggest entity. Uh, and, and then what does that mean? However, like Yuga really has yet to make like any major mistakes that I like, you know, have a hard time with. And like I say, like, I actually think that what's happening is a net positive much better, uh, because in the traditional art world, like, for art to really continue to grow, like you need somebody to champion it. Right. And you need, you need to get into the big art houses and the get in front of the big dealers and like, like it or not, a narrative needs to be crafted around these pieces of art. And that's how you sell it. You know, like you got to convince people with a lot of money that like, this is fine art and that it's worth a lot. It's just as how the business works. And so I actually like that we have somebody that is probably going to do a lot of good for uh, NFTs and CryptoPunks in particular, because he came from the traditional art world and is knows how it operates and knows you know who to be talking to and how to continue to push our message. So I actually think it's very much a net positive that we have somebody that is going to continue to push forward um, punks in this way and uh, will int- hopefully, you know, continue to open people's eyes in Web 2 and just like <laughs> Web 0 and trad art that like do not care. And hopefully we can gain more mass appeal and mass kind of adoption, uh, people that care and that, you know, I think he'll be a good, do a good job. I hope he'll do a good job. I mean, I guess I don't know how good he is at whatever it, it, he's doing, but like somebody from within that industry that fully gets it and is fully on board um, I think it's just a, a hopefully a, a huge positive. And, and again, the negative, the thing that we were all worried about is like, are they going to try and turn this into, you know, any other PFP brand like Apes? Uh, if they try to do it like Apes, 
we'd all be screwed because we know that apes are going to are number one and they're just going to stay there. So punks would always be on the back burner. And like if they try to do something else and be creative and be like, hey, we're going to be like doodles. That's great and all. But like there's just pure so much execution risk on that end of like, hey, will we see this succeed? And like you've got to convince a lot of people that this story is worth, you know, investing in and going on this journey. And uh, so I'm, I'm really pleased with the direction that they're taking it. So initially uh, was not overly excited, was like kind of worried. Um, but now I think it's, you know, when you when you compare it and say, hey, was, you know, would Larva Labs have done a better job or will Yuga do a better job of helping to push this culture forward and elevate the punk's brand? And just like maybe not even the brand, whatever you want to call it, like the art, the way that it's viewed, um, you know, I don't know that that they would have done a better job. So for simplicity's sake, back in the day, I would have preferred that they just kind of released the collection and then said, this is art and you guys can form a community if you want. That's cool. But like, we are not doing anything with it. Right. But there are a lot of interesting narratives being spun around like, hey, Larva Labs is going to be the next, uh, you know, uh, Disney, you know, or whatever. And that uh, turned out to not be the case. Totally. And I, it was it was just interesting, I guess, just to watch that whole journey unfold, right? Because I think, you know, punks were always seen as the top of the food chain uh, early on. And then you had these up-and-coming board apes. And then I think there were a couple of tweets that went out, you know, basically it was like, board apes are going to flip punks. <laughs> and, and punks at that time were like really dismissive. Go, get, get away, get away, small, small dude. Yeah. You know, get away from me. And so... I think in some ways that built like a, I don't know, maybe a cultural rivalry um, and a different sort of vibe. And especially um, when that happened, when I was thinking about it, I think that sort of felt like, you know, you'd just been acquired by your enemy in some ways, right? <laughs> um, a bit of a sense of that. Um, and, uh, but, but I mean, full credit to Yuga as well. I mean, they haven't gone out and done anything crazy. They've sort of taken the time to really listen um and really try and you know keep the culture in sort of tact um but yeah so it'll be interesting to sort of see where this all heads man but i sort of feel like we uh especially in this bear market um you know a lot of the punks that i'm speaking to that they're doing stuff they're building they're building brands behind the ips and there's new fresh blood coming in and um so i think um yeah i think there's a lot of stuff to look forward to for for being a punk yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just, you know, just as pure art, I think it's gorgeous and it can just stay that way. So, yeah, hopefully the the world sees it that way eventually too. And if you could pass on a message to the next owner of your punk, what would you say to them? Oh, interesting question. Yeah, I mean, I if I if I could pass on a message, it, it, you know, it would be like, "Hey, I hope you're you're uh interested in this for the long haul, right? Like, I hope that, uh, you, I hope that this is just a reflection of who you are, uh, that like you, you want to be like own kind of this OG collection. You want to have like, uh, your, your feet firmly planted in web three land and you, you believe in the overall mission. Uh, that that's what it would be like. If you're, if you want to just buy it and flip it the next day, that's fine too. Like, uh, you know, that's fine, but it'll be, a. I feel like you can get a lot more meaning out of it if, uh, you know, and, and I think most, most punk buyers at this point, 
they're they're in it because they want you know they kind of aspire to that uh to to that ethos uh, less than trying to make a quick flip i think so no this has been super fun sort of final question any final closing comments and i guess you know how, how to sort of people find you and connect with you yeah, sure. So, I mean, my, my only closing comments would be, you know, I've been tweeting about this more and more recently, but again, as, uh, as time goes on to me, it just becomes a lot more enjoyable. Um, and the, the use, like I say, the use case is much more straightforward when I'm looking at art. And so, uh, that's why I love, you know, as much as all of us were kind of like afraid when Yuga bought the punk collection, or the IP, whatever you technically they bought. Um, I love that they, that Noah, they hired Noah and said, Hey, and he said like, I'm going to treat this like a dead artist's estate, right? Like, I love that that is the way that it's being treated. So for me, um, I'm, I'm just interested. Uh, I find myself more and more interested in the art side and it's a lot of the art is turning out to be more kind of resilient in the bear market as well. Um, and it's because like there's just not as much execution risk. It's much more simple, right? And uh, you, if you buy art because you love it uh, and you appreciate its beauty, you cannot lose. So that's kind of like where my where my head's at. And yeah, if you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter, um, Depeche Node underscore. After that, uh, DMs are open. Happy to chat with anyone. I love hopping on podcasts and and Twitter Spaces and engaging on Twitter. I think it's just such a fun community and it's a fun business to be involved in. Like the space is not boring at all. So I think I'll be here for quite a while. Awesome. Amazing. Thank you so much for uh, your time. Uh, no, this is, this is fun. Um, uh, so yeah, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Awesome. And uh, guys, that wraps up another episode of Punkcast uh, for the week. And uh, yeah, that's it for now. And uh, we'll catch you again next week. Um,